Good morning. It was interesting that Corey paused at that last phrase because it that the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever isn't in what we would call the original documents. Sometimes people would refer to it as the Catholic phrase that it was added on later. It, it is in some of those early century accounts. Uh, King James, he thought it should be in there. And so our tradition, being a largely King James-based culture, are, are very familiar. And it certainly does portray correctly the idea that God's kingdom and power and glory has been forever and will be forever. So thank you, Corey, for, uh, for teaching us about that important documentation. So Kyle's going out to camp this week, and I, it got me to thinking about things that go on out at camp, and Kyle does a lot of things with rope, so I thought we would do some rope work. The work that I do as a chaplain is often about creating space. We, we intentionally, when we encounter a a patient or the loved ones of a patient we try to create space and that's even what I'm doing now as I step off the the front step and I don't mean to make you intentionally uncomfortable but Don said I could preach the elders invited me to preach so this is this is me preaching creating space so that that patient certainly feels safe they're not threatened because oftentimes when they meet a chaplain, a lot of defenses go up. But we all face that with other people. This morning we're creating space in this sanctuary. The word sanctuary would be a safe, trusting space or auditorium. I, I hope we do more than audit. I hope we do more than just listen, but that we actually create sanctuary, safe space. So creating spaces, if we were out at camp, we would, and I realize those on a level ground can't see this, but if I were to make a circle, Kyle will do this, I'm sure, make circles with ropes all the time. But in life, every day we are invited into space. Our lives, sadly, become a very small circle and the only one in the space is me. Every morning God invites us, we could say, if you're a God believer, uh, one who is seeking God, you would want God to invite you into God's space. And we would call that times of Bible study, prayer, meditation, contemplation, So space 
is where we, we listen people into our space. If you want to have a great conversation with someone, you know what the key is? Be quiet. And let them begin to tell their story. To listen with deep feeling for them, but listen someone into your space. And so we learn to have space with other people. And people will tell you their story. All you have to do is say, where'd you grow up? And then be quiet. And begin to listen them into space with you. Out at camp this week, the campers and the staff, they will be in a place that encourages a much bigger space. You can't help but sit around the campfire and look up through the trees and what happens? Your sense of space, not just outer space, but the sense of a transcendent space there. And so with patience even, chaplains begin to explore that idea that there, there may be something bigger, greater, than just the immediate, especially if the space is only big enough for me, or maybe a few people that I trust, or maybe a congregation that I'm learning to feel safe with and to ask important questions, hard questions, difficult questions, uncomfortable questions, a sort of a test of our space. But out of camp, you realize there must be something bigger. And we do that with patience all the time. To realize that there are realities that we can't see that are very real. The love for family. The hatred of others. Those are realities. You can't see them, but they are there. And do we make space in our world to begin to wrestle with those issues and with those people. Oftentimes, I will invite a patient to say, if your father could be here today in this room with you as you lie on your sick bed, what would that conversation sound like, look like? And Kyle, thank you for reminding us that Father's Day comes with multiple levels, multiple layers of emotions and feelings. If we listen to people's stories, we will hear of, of neglect, of abuse, of distance. The story of Jesus, of which this gathering has a particular interest, is of a God who came from God's space, if you will, and broke into 
our space. Would you generally agree with that? That that's, that's really the, the big story. God created space back in the garden at the very beginning and had close space, shared his space. We know God is not gender specific. God is not neither male nor female. But for purposes of language, scripture in that time was written, God as him. God comes and shares his space with Adam and Eve. And what do Adam and Eve decide to do? We want our own space. And they hid. And from then on, it's been a question of how will I handle space? Will I allow God in? Will I seek God in God's space? And so in the story of Jesus, Jesus comes and comes into our space. And so today we invite the presence of the divine. And John has helped lead us in that. And Corey has encouraged us to invite God into this space. Come and be with us, divine one, transcendent one, holy father. New space. It'll be the call that we have to go then and share our space with others. To share our stories with others. And so Jesus is about the task of explaining, demonstrating, living out his whole life and ministry is trying to explain what it's like for God to transcend the space and now interlock with our space. And you know what happens when that happens? Our lives are changed. We're never the same again. It would be a great game. We won't do it this morning. But just who are the most amazing people who have come into your space? Who has stayed at your home? Who have you shaken hands with? Or shook hands with? Um, who have you fist bumped with? My claim to fame would be what? Opie. Ron Howard. True story. Ron Howard played Little League Baseball with my younger brother, and Opie would come to our house during the summer because we had a little above-ground pool, and he would come when he was already a star. Because Little League, you're 10, 11, 12 years old, and Ron, Ronnie, would come over to our house. My claim to fame. He came into my space. Who has come into your space? Now Jesus cautions us about how to handle your space in this Matthew chapter 6 passage when he's talking about the Lord's Prayer. 
Let me try to explain. If you're going to deal with this God event of God coming into space, Jesus is saying, you know, it's like reading the instructions, the caution. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. This is chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful about putting on a religious show. Don't, don't begin to think that that's how we handle God. To put on an external show. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Be careful that we just handle our space in external ways. And then in verse 6, the reading that Corey shared with us. But when you pray, this is how you handle space with God, but when you pray, go into your what, church? Into your inner room, into your closet, within you. This is sacred space. And that's what happens with a patient is when you finally have connected with them, and in a sense you say, is there something that's on your heart, on your mind, that you want to share with your family, with your loved ones, that's within you that you need to share? And oftentimes they will ask for prayer, they will ask for support. So when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, who knows us in our inner core, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So we welcome all. This becomes a space where we know of a father who welcomes us into a close relationship. The second half of my life has been different from my first half of life. There's a saying by Jules Renard, a French author, I I've really come to appreciate, if I had my life to live over again, I would ask that not a thing be changed, but that my eyes would be opened wider. Oh, if I would see what a mighty God, and how God wants that sacred space with me, and then for me to learn from that sacred space to share with others, so that they know that they're safe. And that there was someone who cares. And someone who's willing to. And. 
Psalm 116, verse 1, it's, it's a cry. It says, oh God, you hear my voice. Psalm 116, verse 1. A God who hears my voice as we call out to him. And so the other day, I began to think about Father's Day, and I realized I realized that I had forgotten what my dad's voice sounded like. My dad died 16 years ago. And I honestly can't exactly, I think if dad walked in the room and said something, I would know. But I, and so I wrestled with that. And then I sat down and I wrote dad some of my thoughts. Because dad is in my space. Dad, as Father's Day arrives this weekend, I've been thinking about you the last couple of weeks. It struck me the other day that I've pretty much forgotten what your voice sounds like. It's been 16 years since that day your skilled nursing facility called in the early morning to say your body was actively dying. It was Sunday morning of all the Sundays in the year. It was Easter Sunday morning, the day before your 88th birthday, April 9th, 2007. Anyway, Dad, I'm confident I'd recognize your voice once I heard it again, but right now that memory is dim. It seems strange that it's just been 16 years. And in another 16 years, I'll be at the age that you died. Thinking this week what a treat it'd be to take you and Mom to lunch this weekend for Father's Day celebration. I do celebrate the relationship we had as father and son. You were a model, an icon of faithfulness, loyalty, and commitment. You were present for the family, and that's a huge deal. Family was a big part of Dad's space. The evenings often found you out in the garage in your workshop making something or fixing something. I can hear the country western music <laughs> playing on that cheap old radio that you rigged up at your workbench. A lot of the time you had pulled on your mechanics overalls. I know it may seem irrational, but I wish I hadn't been such a busy little kid back then. I'd run around playing with my toys or playing baseball catch with Brian or shooting hoops in the backyard. I wish I had stopped and sat down more at your workbench to talk with you and learn about things which interested you. My brothers and I are pretty convinced that Dad had some PTSD residual from World War II as a combat soldier. And that probably those evenings out in the workshop were his closed-in space trying to process all that he had seen and experienced and participated in. We all have those spaces in our lives, deep within our hearts. But again, the good news is that God does not leave our space ignored. God has come 
You know, we all have different attachment levels with God, whether it's secure or anxious or avoidant or abusive. And I think attachment theory is an amazing area to study more as to how we relate to each other in our relationships. But in the incarnation, God comes to be present. Jesus on the cross comes to be so fully, fully present in a way that takes my breath away. That Jesus came to say, I am so in your space that I will experience the very pain. Well, let me read these comments. Jesus on the cross became what we fear. Nakedness, exposure, vulnerability, and failure. He became those things as looked upon by his culture. You know, the paintings of Jesus on the cross are much too R-rated. They are really historically X-rated. Most likely, Jesus was totally physically exposed, let alone emotionally and socially castigated, rejected, jeered at. Jesus experienced separation, rejection, to assure us that we need no longer to fear or avoid or doubt God's secure love and acceptance. God says, you are welcome to come into my space. He came to free us from the lie of punishing and scapegoating others. Jesus became the accused the crucified, so that we could stop crucifying, he refused to transmit the pain of separation onto others. God invites us into his space. In closing, God says he has bridged the gap. There no longer is a distant deistic God in some space way out there. Most of our, many in our culture, that's their conception of God. That Yes, there may be a God, but, but he or she or whomever is far away and really not interested in running things or cooperating or involving in what's going on here. That's pretty much the, the cultural, philosophical basis upon which our country, very Jeffersonian, Benjamin Franklin, strong deists, but of a God who is far away, whose space is quite separate from whatever we might experience here. And so, the second and last part of my letter to Dad reads, There's something that's been bothering me this week, Dad, and I want to ask your forgiveness. 
You remember that father-son night at the junior high school. There was a barbecue followed by a softball game. You and I got to play on the same team. I hadn't thought it out beforehand, but when you came up to bat, it was obvious that your injured left hand, the, the one that you had received the shrapnel wounds from the war, you couldn't grip the bat very well. Plus, you hadn't practiced baseball very much because you were always busy and fixing things at home. The worst thing, Dad, was that I was embarrassed to be seen with you. I thought to myself, I wish my dad could hit the ball so hard and so far that my friends would think that I was really cool. But you didn't, Dad. You barely hit the pitched ball, and then you ran slowly and awkwardly before being put out at first base. Please forgive me, Dad. I am so grateful. I've grown up a bit and have come to see how very proud I am of you. Yes, I wish we had spent more time one-on-one -on -one with each other. I wish you had sat down on my bed at nighttime to tuck me in. I wish you and I had hugged more. And I wanted to hear you say more things like, I love you. You're doing some good things, Craig. And we're sure proud of you. Maybe you did say those things, but I didn't hear them. Or maybe I don't remember. I do know you cared. You were there for all of us. Thank you for doing and being what you sensed was the best in that day and time, Dad. I can only imagine what a total thrill it would be to have a second chance at playing softball with you. Your very proud son, God. I am so proud that God invites us to come into his space and to say this prayer together, and you are welcome to say aloud with me as we close this lesson. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.